Welcome to Rolling Stone Music Now. I'm Rolling Stone executive editor Nathan Brackett. Today we're going to listen to a recent interview with one of our favorite interviewees of all time, Noel Gallagher of Oasis. We're also going to talk about some new music from Angel Olsen. But first... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And that was Shut Up, Kiss Me by Angel Olsen. I'm here with Susie Exposito. What's up, Susie? (laughs) Doing good. (laughs) All right. For people who don't know Angel Olsen, she's had a couple albums at this point, right? Mm -hmm. Her last one was called Burn Your Fire for No Witness. And it, it was just so intense and sincere. And now she's just, she's so much more playful in her uh, most recent couple of songs. I'm really excited to see what else comes up for her. Me too. She's got like a new album coming up. It like almost reminds me of the Connor Oberst trajectory. Like he had those <laughs> early albums are totally like a little more tortured and yearning and kind of recorded, sounded like they were recorded in a barrel. And now she's going for it in a more power pop way. Uh-huh. It sounds great. And the video is awesome. Yeah, you got her skating around in the middle of the night. It's it's kind of spooky and kind of silly. She's tapping into her diva a little bit more. Right. It's It's been sitting kind of dormant, you know, under this really intense guise. Right. But now she's just being more fun and taking a risk here with her new sound. And, and I, I really like it. And she's still just so sharp. Her like, lyrics are so great always. And so I'm very interested to see where this goes too. So do you know when the new album is coming out? I would presume soon. Yeah, September 2nd. Cool. It's called My Woman. All right. Well, yeah. we'll be looking for that. Well, Susie, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you. All right. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. And that was Don't Look Back in Anger by Oasis, sung by a man, Noel Gallagher, who, who is not looking back in anger. Andy Green, you just talked to Noel Gallagher actually a couple months ago. Yeah, it was about two months ago. It was right after Coachella happened and the news was coming out about Old Cella or the Desert Trip Festival. Right. It's yet to run in the magazine. It was just so freaking funny that we felt it was a good idea to, to just play it now and play parts of it. This is the first time we're going to let an interview run for this long on the podcast. Basically, Noel Gallagher is, is one of the great rock interviews. I'd say the best. When he came here about six months ago, we gave him a trophy on camera. For we actually gave him a trophy a for this. physical trophy, best rock interview. You and can go to he, rollingstone.com and watch the video, yeah. right? Yeah. I've interviewed 
almost every rock star in the world at this point, at least ones that are really big. And he's the best. He's the funniest. He's the most honest. He'll say anything. He's, he's a not, friend to the journalist. Yeah. He's just a dream interview. He names names. He talks shit. He will talk about controversial topics happily. And he's always asked for the possibility of Oasis reforming. And he always just will answer it in a bit of a different way that's always funny. He's like a great jazz singer that I can always improvise <laughs> on the spot. The spontaneity is great. And he's just, you know, I, I talked to him here. It was 40 minutes. I was laughing for, for most of it. He's the greatest. This is a special treat, too, because we actually haven't run this in the magazine yet. Uh, why don't we talk about what this column was? Because it's a little different from a lot of regular interviews right. that we do. It's the final page of the magazine where we talk to very prominent and very interesting people about sort of wisdom they've learned through the years. It's not a traditional newsy interview. It's about their favorite music and lessons they've learned from this yeah, or it's that. Like, it's like life lessons, which is why you're asking him kind of br- just broader questions about you know, uh, what you know, about, the, the, where he's from or things that are right, meaningful to him as opposed to... his heroes and stuff. Right, as opposed to like his the latest High Flying Birds album, which is yes. his current band. Yes, definitely. Just to remind listeners, this was a couple months ago, so you, you, we're going to start with you just telling him about the latest about the Guns N' Roses ACDC, the Axl Rose ACDC tour, uh, which he was quite surprised about. So without further ado, let's listen to some Noel Gallagher. You seen this news about ACDC, that they got Axl Rose to be their new singer? That's fucking insane, isn't it? It's insane, because he has the Guns N' Roses tour. He's going to be fronting both bands at the same time uh, on two separate tours. That's insane. That's as mad as fucking Adele joining the Supremes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you're from Manchester. So tell me the first Manchester thing about you. My accent. Uh-huh. And my, uh, my sense of humor. Uh-huh. And... My outlook on life, yeah, uh, I think, would be the first thing that you know. The first thing that Americans ever noticed was my accent. Was when I when I first came to America, I was subtitled on MTV, yeah. which, I found, which I found fucking highly amusing. Yeah, and uh, I would go back to Manchester and tell my friends that say they fucking put subtitles on the telly, and they're like, "What the fuck? No way!" <laughs> and I was like, "Yes." Um, and my clothes, I suppose, set me apart as a Mancunian. And, uh, yeah, just the, the cosmetic things. Yeah, I'm, I mean, just imagine you were born in a real posh family in like, London or something. <laughs> You'd be so different. It would, it, would, it, would, it, would, it would have changed everything about you, probably. Well, of course, of course. Where you're, where you're, where you're born is... Uh, and, yeah, I mean, that's, that, that says... Everything I mean, particularly in England. Yeah, I'm not sure whether it's prevalent in the states mm-hmm. or like like huge big countries. Um, I you know, but in England, I mean, we we live in a country which is half the size of Texas, and has got about fifty regional different accents mm-hmm. that are all that are all different. They're all completely different to each other and different cultures within different parts of the country. Um, so. From where where you're born in England says everything about you. Yeah, if I was born a middle class guy from Buckinghamshire, yeah, uh, I don't even think I'd be in a band. Yeah, so I'm sure you're very grateful that you had the upbringing that you did. It shaped you. Oh, I mean, if you know, if I'm so proud to be a Mancunian, even though I don't live there anymore, uh, I'm proud to be from there, uh, and uh, it gave me everything. It gave me my you know, it was a 
great musical education and all my all the all the musical heroes that were from Manchester like New Order and the Smiths and Joy Division and the Stone Roses and the Happy Mondays they're all great great bands and like and, and iconic bands as well mm-hmm. and um it gave you something to aspire to yeah all right so tell me the best part of success and the worst part of success the best part of success is the money mm-hmm. um and you know, to 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 have a nice house for your wife to live in and your children and, and give every and give or give your family everything that they that they desire is a brilliant thing. Um, I'm not sure there is a downside to fame. I don't think I've experienced anything. I mean, there, there's petty little things like it's not. It is awkward being followed around the department store when you're just trying to buy underwear. Uh-huh. And there's people following you with camera phones and um, and shit like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the downside to fame, I've yet to experience one. I don't I don't understand people that fucking bitch about it and moan about it. You know what I mean? It's kind of and I and I guess as as society moves forward, people must be so prepared for it now. If you're kind of a young kid and you're getting into the music business and okay, you're going to have a, a uh, your your album's about to break big, you must. You must be prepared for fame. You must be. Right. Because there's, we're talking 50, 60 years of this shit has gone on before you, so fucking get used to it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And um, I've never had a problem with it. It's not something that I've ever chased, but um, I received it with fucking open arms, and I was like, fucking, I'm going to kick the shit out of this. <laughs> and uh, I've enjoyed it every single day. It's great. Yeah, I mean, are you sick of fans asking you to take selfies and stuff? Is that yeah, but I just yeah, but I just tell them to go fuck themselves. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't. I, I'm not. I mean, my I, I'm not beholden to anybody with a camera phone, and I don't give a fuck if they think I'm an arsehole either. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I turn down photographs on a daily basis, and people, you know, people get quite, particularly in this day and age, when when someone says, "Can I get a picture?" You just say no. And they go, <laughs> yeah, right, really? You say, yeah, yeah, really, I'm fucking busy here buying underwear. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And um, some people get so offended, and then you get people who insist, and they insist, and they insist. And, um, yeah, if I feel like doing it, I'll do it. If I don't feel like doing it, fuck them. I don't fucking, I don't live my life to have my picture taken by fans, whether they buy records or not. Right. I don't ask them to buy it. I don't, it's not, you know, I'm not asking them to buy records. Right. You know, they buy them because they buy them because they like them. All right. So tell me the most important rules that you live by. Um, the most important rules is to know who you are, mm-hmm. be proud of who you are. A happy wife is a happy house. A happy house equals a happy life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, always remind your children. Always tell your children, and I do this regularly, I sit there now and I say, you know, you're a fucking young guy, you're great and young and you're handsome, but I want you to know that you'll never, ever be as fucking cool as me, ever. <laughs> okay? So take your fucking skateboard, okay, and all that shit, and get out into the garden with your brother and play fucking football, because you'll never be as cool as me. And do they think they're cooler than you now, or do they accept Oh, no, they... No, they agree. They agree. They go, we know, you know, yeah. we fucking know. Okay, Oasis, blah, 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 whatever, <laughs> you know. Um, and yeah, uh, just be, uh, never, never, never take any, never take any of the, and never take any of the, 
of the good sides about anything that you do for granted, do you know what I mean? And stay stay focused on your work because you know, if your work is go- if your work is great and if your work is interesting and if your work is uh uh important, then you don't have to be. Do you know what I mean? I don't have to be good or nice to people because my people dig my music and that's really that's where the relationship ends, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, do you worry your kids are going to lack the sort of upbringing that you had because you can give them so many things? Well, yeah, but of course they are. I mean, they, uh, you know, like we were saying at the beginning, I'm yeah. I'm I'm a guy from a from a council estate in Manchester. Mm-hmm. My sons are not going to be guys from council estates in Manchester, uh-huh. and I'm not remotely interested in them experiencing that lifestyle just because I did. Right. You know, if I'm saying if I'm saying to you that. My, one of the rules of my life is I have to. You have to know who you are, be proud of who you are. Then the same applies to them. Mm-hmm. They have to be left to know who they are and be proud of who they are. Yeah. You know, they, not not everybody. Not every, you know, there was a spate in the nineties where most people in bands pretended to be working class because it was considered cool because of Oasis. Right. Uh-huh. And now it's and now it's considered cool to be middle class. Right. You know. <laughs> and really, and really. What is cool is being both of those things. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Just, not, just, just, just know who you are and fucking own it and get on with it. And tell me your favorite book. I don't really... I'm not one for novels, but one book that I did... One novel that I have read from start to finish and I did think was great was On the Road by Jack Kerouac. And I know that makes me sound like an intellectual and all that, but I really am fucking not. Mm. Uh, I... I read it because uh, I was heavily into Bob Dylan at the time, and he was going on about, I read an interview where he was going on about it. Uh, when I got to the end of the book, I actually could see where the connection to Dylan and this book had come from. Uh, and it, it's an amazing story. And uh, I wouldn't say it's my favorite book. I read a lot of autobiographies. Uh-huh. And... Um, like I say, I'm not really an avid reader. Do you know what I mean? I kind of read like factual things. I'm not novels. Don't really interest me. You right. know what I mean? But but on the road was great because uh, you, the the style of the writing, you can almost hear like you know it's where Muhammad not that Muhammad Ali would ever have read on the road. I, I'm assuming uh, it's that kind of slightly rapping kind of hipster Bob Dylan-y, You know. Um, uh, um, a subterranean homesick blues kind of the speed and the rhythm of the writing, which is really great. Yeah, and for 1957, it was so ahead of its time. Oh, it's time. fucking unbelievable. Yeah. And I didn't, and I, and I didn't, it made me realize why San Francisco was so fated yeah. by everybody. Because I was just think, why, why, why are they all obsessed with San Francisco? You know what I mean? Why, New York is a fucking ten times the city San Francisco is. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you, I realized it's the jazz thing, and that's where all the jazz hipsters were in, in, in uh, San Francisco. And, they were, and it, was, it was like the, uh, it was like, you know, the Mecca kind of thing where they would all the, the hipsters would go. And um, it was a great book. Yeah. And of course the story and of course the entire story the backstory so it was all written in one go and the dog fucking ran off with the last piece of it and all that kind of thing. It was <laughs> right. amazing. Yeah, and so what book are you currently reading? I don't um I'm not reading books at the minute. Mm-hmm. I uh I need a good one. I need to find a good one. Mm-hmm. Um the last book I read was about um 
the British spy Kim Philby, who defected to the Russians in at the end of the or during the Cold War, and it was uh, it was written from the point of view of all his friends who never knew that he was he was like a like a double agent. Oh wow! And um, it's fascinating. I think I can't remember what the fucking name of it's called. It's called oh, I don't know. I, it's I, a great I, book though. But I like all I like I like all uh, Second World War stuff and Cold War stuff. I find all that period of. Uh, the 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 manoeuvring of the then superpowers for world domination uh, fascinating and how close the world came to somebody pushing the button do you know what I mean yeah yeah I think people in America they don't quite understand about what England went through during the war they can't conceive of being blitzed like that and just watching their city get destroyed by bombs that Nazis are dropping it was insanity yeah well it's not, I mean Amer- I mean America's never been invaded right. so un- until you which is why the thing when 9-11 happened, it, yeah. it was such a fucking thing for Americans. It's like, what? On our on our fucking soil. Right. Whereas terrorist activity had been taking place and England had been invaded and the war for centuries, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it it was not such a big deal in, in uh, over here. But, um, yeah, unless, you know, I mean, London had bombings in the 70s with the IRA and all that kind of thing and had been close to invasion by the Nazis and had, and, and had been invaded by the Romans and the French and blah, 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 and all yeah. that. Um, yeah, so Americans, uh, uh, yeah, they don't really understand what it's like. But then I think that's a good thing, you know what I mean? I'd rather live in a country that's never been invaded. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, then tell me the music that still moves you the most right now. Um, it's all the classics, really. I still, I still, I still can hear stuff in "I Am the Walrus" and stuff from the '60s and "Strawberry Fields" that you never heard before. And it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a such a, such an astonishing thing to say. You know, you can be kind of in the bathroom, uh, and I, uh, "Strawberry Fields" can be on in another room and. Something will just hit you about it that you that that it's almost like you're listening to it for the first time. And I don't I don't just mean the Beatles or John Lennon. I mean that most of that great music from the '60s is still evolving to me. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I kind of I, I of course in this day and age of playlists and the internet and all that, I have um, a playlist of all the great songs from the '60s and. They're, they're kind of the songs that can stop a conversation sat in a room full of people. They're the kind of songs that can stop a conversation. And, you know, if you've not heard um, Love Me Till the Sun Shines by the Kinks f- for four or five years, you just go, fucking hell, what a fucking hell. Listen to that. You know, and um, I find the whole period awe-inspiring. Yeah, it's amazing to think that from Love Me Do into Abbey Road was just eight years. Yeah, but it's not, I mean, I know, I know, I know everything. The sixties wrapped up in the Beatles, but it's not only that. I mean, right. from if you think about Love Me Do, right? Mm-hmm. Most of the bands that the Beatles inspired weren't even formed then. Right. And then by the time you get to Woodstock, a whole fucking generation and culture has popped up and has been and is almost on its way out. Yeah. In you know under seven years or something, it's fucking astonishing what happened. And um, I'm still, you know, discovering odd tracks here and there from the late 60s that you just think, wow, I mean, fucking, I was like, it was a, every time somebody went in the studio, they recorded a masterpiece. It was unbelievable. 
Yeah, and there's some bands that were around for one album or something. It was super brief, but even that stuff, it, it can be incredible. The David? Have you heard the album by that band, The David? No, no. It's a band, from, I think they're from California. Mm-hmm. The David. Uh, Rumour is they all got drafted into the Vietnam War, which is why they were never heard of again. Uh-huh. I think it's called it's called Another Day, Another Lifetime. It's fucking insane. Wow. It's insane. And um, all the stuff from... Um, oh, what's that fucking band called? Um, they wrote Walk Away Renee. What oh, their name is Kate? That is like the left bank? The, the left bank. Yeah. All the stuff from the left bank. I mean, fucking hell. Yeah. Unbelievable. Right, and Unbelievable. Then by the early 70s, if it wasn't for David Bowie and a few other people, and like Roxy Music and a bunch of bands, I mean, the mainstream pop of then got so awful so quickly. Yeah, well then I guess, you know, you had that, you had that thing where um, in the early 60s, mm-hmm. you know, um, rhythm and blues and the and the blues itself had found its way across the Atlantic and the English mm-hmm. made their own culture out of it and sold it back to America. And then yeah. when you got it to, to, the, to the early 70s, the English took Velvet Underground and the Stooges and they invented punk rock and, um, you know, it changed the world. Yeah. Um, and even those, you know, those early punk records, the Ramones and mm-hmm. the Pistols and the Clash just... Still mind blowing. You know? Yeah. So, tell me your favorite city in the whole world. <sighs> I have three. Okay. And this is in no particular order. But London is where I live, and I've lived there for twenty-three years, and it still is one of the great places in the world. It's a great place to live, uh, and a great place to hang out, and a great place to have fun. And I have four, actually. Sorry, okay. I better mention Manchester. Or I will get fucking my throat cut next time I go back. <laughs> yeah. Manche- Manchester, because it's where my football team are from, and it's where I'm from, and it's where everything that I am uh, was uh, given to me by... You know, I walk the streets of Manchester, and I, it feels like home. Mm-hmm. Third place is New York City. All right. I think why... The terrorist attacks in 2001 shook the world was because everybody who's been to New York City falls in love with it and they feel a part of it mm-hmm. because every single race has been through the port of New York and it's a multicultural, it's the original melting pot. And I guess everybody in the world has some connection with or when they go there, there's some connection with New York. You know, there's a big Irish community, there's English, there's Spanish, there's all sorts of people. The people of the world are there in New York, and it's a... Uh, New York is a fabulous idea that still nobody knows what it is. Where will it end up, New York? It's an amazing place, and uh, it's a place that, you know, you look forward to when you get your tour diary and think, please, please let me not be going there in fucking November. <laughs> because my testicles will freeze off this time, <laughs> I'm fucking sure. Uh, so if you're lucky enough, you get to go there in the spring or in the autumn. Yeah. Uh, and the fourth place is Buenos Aires in Argentina, huh. which uh, I don't know if you've ever been, no. but it's uh, for me, it's the New York of South America. It's fucking unbelievable people. Unbelievable. I've had some... If every If every city that you go to, you take away memories from then the four places that I've mentioned fill me with the best memory. I've had the best nights out in Buenos Aires. I've had the best shows in Buenos Aires. I've had 
met the greatest people in Buenos Aires. I've met the greatest people in New York. Great gigs. London and Manchester the same. Manchester, I have fucking unbelievable memories of Manchester. It made me what I am. And then London, I lived on a day-to-day basis and all my friends are there and, you know, it's uh, my kids are there and, yeah, they'll all be right. my four favourites. So tell me the most indulgent purchase that you've ever made. Oh, I've, I had a car made once. Uh-huh. I had a car made. It cost me £110,000, which would be nearly... Two hundred thousand dollars. Right, I had a car made for me, uh, like it was a '60s car that it was. It was this car was built in the year of my birth, 1967, mm-hmm. and I had this car built to my specifications. At the time, I couldn't drive, right? Mm-hmm. But I thought, well, by the time they finish this fucking car, I will easily have learned to drive. That's not a problem. It's going to take two years. Uh-huh. So two years after I. Paid for this car. This car turns up at my house. I've completely forgotten about the driving lessons and still to this day cannot drive. <laughs> and it sits in a garage. Yeah. It's built for a five foot eight Englishman, Irishman, uh-huh. Mancunian. No one else can use it. Yeah. It's built to my specifications. The fucking driver's seat only fits me. Uh-huh. And uh, it cost me nearly a quarter of a million dollars. It's a beautiful car. And uh, that was a silly thing to have done. And that was what kind of car? What model? Was it? It's a it's, it's a it's a Jaguar 1967 Mark II convertible, of which there was none ever made. Uh, <laughs> I converted it, and it's fucking unbelievable. It's a beautiful car, but um, it's black with red leather interior. If anybody would like to buy it, please put this in. <laughs> I will gladly sell it to them. Now, did you ever drive it on your driveway or anything or anywhere? No, uh, I can't drive. Okay, I can't drive. <laughs> All right. Uh, so then, who are your heroes and why? Um, musical heroes, I guess, would be the Beatles and the Stones. Uh, because why? Um, oh, fuck. Because they got the best tunes, I think. Ray Davis, because he wrote the best songs. Pete Townsend, because he didn't give a fuck. Mm-hmm. Dave Gilmore, Roger Waters, because of the fire and ice, like, combination between the two. Roger Waters, I fucking love his megalomania. Yeah. Dave Gilmore, I love his kind of, his his coolness and his guitar playing. And then John Lydon, because he's real as fuck, and I get slightly nervous when I meet him. <laughs> but, I think he li- but I think he likes me because I've had nights out with him. And uh, we get on great, and I love him. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's the jam, Paul Weller, who's become a friend, like a real good friend of mine and a neighbour. And um, you two, who also become friends and neighbours of mine, I love them because when I was growing up listening to the Joshua Tree, that was a really inspiring record because it was such simple songwriting, but it connected with everyone in the world, and I love that. And then the Stone Roses... Yeah. The Stone Roses had a, had a song called Sally Cinnamon, which I bought the day it came out, and I took it home and I played it. And it was the f- one song uh, when I played it, I thought, I know I can do it now because I can write songs like that. Wow. Yeah. So there's them, and then there's Morrissey and Ma from The Smiths because they took songwriting to a whole nother fucking level. Uh, Morrissey is a bitch 
and so funny. It's fucking unbelievable. He makes it achingly funny. Yeah. Johnny is Johnny is just like me. Uh, and he's from Manchester of Irish upbringing. Um, we're kind of the same, but he's a wizard, and I'm merely uh, a wizard's apprentice. <laughs> yeah. um, who else? My wife, because she's fucking gorgeous, and through uh, some mad trick of fate, I ended up marrying her after meeting her in a nightclub, and we've got two great kids. Uh, my teenage daughter is a hero because she's come through adversity and she's fucking great and she's cool as fuck. But mm-hmm. again, she'll never be as cool as me, which she accepts, <laughs> which makes her which makes her cooler than me, which right. can't be possible. Um, who else? My mum, because she brought Liam Gallagher up. I mean, yeah. fuck me. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> you know, Try doing that. You know, it's a shame about Morrissey and Marr and Gilmore's and Water. These are two of the all-time great songwriting teams. And after just a few years of working together, they both stopped and they can't stand each other. It's it's a real shame. It's a funny old thing, and it and it seems to be that no amount of money can get them on the stage. You know what I mean? Which, yeah. uh, but there you go. I mean, you know, I admire them more for that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I admire them for that. And uh, but they're great. And then uh, hang on a minute. And then Neil Young, Bob Dylan. Oh yeah. Uh, I just. In as for what I do now, I'm loosely turned as a singer-songwriter. They are pretty much fucking it. Oh yeah, yeah, they're incredible, and they're still going strong in their seventies. And you know, every time I see Neil Young, I just think, fucking hell, does he ever do a shit gig? No, he is one of the best live performers of uh, right now. It's ridiculous, and his new band is so good. You you should see him this summer when he's touring Europe with this new band. They're incredible. Oh, I'll be there. Don't you worry about that. And um, actually, Oasis played with him a few times, and we got to—we actually got to hang out with him. Oh yeah. And uh, he was—he came into our dressing room and knew our songs, and was like, "Fucking!" He thought we were cool, and we were like, "Jesus, Neil Young! He was at Woodstock. Fuck me!" (laughs) So they're doing this super concert on the grounds of Coachella in October of Bob Dylan, the Rolling Stones, Roger Waters, the Who, Paul McCartney, and Neil Young. It'll be all six what? of them. Yeah, this was this was just announced yesterday. <laughs> what? Yeah, it's a super super concert. It's it's what all six it? of them. It's in October on the grounds of Coachella. All six of them. September. Fuck, I'm going to that because my tour finishes in September. Well, do it. It'll be it's ridiculous. Let it let it let it be known that I'll compare that gig or I'll fucking open up on a banjo for any of them. Yeah, yeah, because the word is that 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 they're getting seven million dollars each. <laughs> Really? You think? Are you? Is this serious? Yeah. Oh, I swear to God. I swear to God. So, what are they doing? Like a what? A half an hour each? Or something? No, it's gonna be three days. The first night will be Dylan and the Stones. The second night, Neil and McCartney. The third night will be Roger Waters and who? I swear to God, this was just announced. I mean, yeah. F- I'm well. I'm fucking going to that. That's yeah. just that's done. I'm going to that. Right. When is it? October. The October. It's in mid October or in early-ish October. I don't know exactly when. Oh, I'm gonna. Um, if I put the phone down now, don't be offended. I'm just gonna go and get tickets now. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so tell me the best advice that you ever got. The best advice I was ever given was by Paul Weller, who uh, has obviously been suffered ups and downs in his career, and 
when I got a bit of, uh, I wouldn't call it writer's block, but I'd, fa- I'd fallen out of love with writing music uh, for a brief time in the late 90s, or the mid-90s. And uh, he just told me not to chase it. Don't chase the songs, let the songs come to you. And if they, if they don't come to you, then it's not meant to be. And I thought that was great advice, and I've taken that advice. And every time I kind of get a bit frustrated with not writing so much, I always just put the guitar down and, you know, go and do something else. Wow. So tell me the advice that you'd give to yourself in 1995, let's say, that the wisdom that you've learned now that you'd want to tell you to yourself back then. I would say, I'd say, yeah. Um, what would I say? 1995. I don't fucking know. I'd just say enjoy it more. I mean, I enjoyed it a lot. Uh-huh. As you can probably imagine, yeah. I kind of say to myself, "You can enjoy it a little bit more." I think. I think you could enjoy it a little bit more. I think there's more to be gained out of it. You know, I was. Um, yeah, I just tell myself to. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'd sing that song by Bobby McFerrin. Don't really be happy. <laughs> so did that whistle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know he, he hasn't played that song in like 25 years, and he hates it. <laughs> Good, so do I. <laughs> uh, so tell me what you do in life just to like just relax. To relax. Honestly, uh, my life is wrapped up in touring, recording, writing, uh, watching football, and uh, soccer to you guys, uh-huh. and my family. And to relax, I sit and play the guitar. If I can sit and play the guitar, if I can combine all of those things at the same time, that would be just, that would be amazing. Um, I think the older that I've got, I think two things. I think to go away on holiday with my wife and kids to some far-flung place in the world is is an amazing thing and just to lie on a beach and not bring a guitar and just sit and listen to the fucking waves lapping is a great thing Mm -hmm. another great thing is to go away just like a weekend with my wife it's just me and her and uh, we can be we can pretend we don't have any children (laughs) and um, do all the things that we uh, that we like to do with our kids and um, I think those would be the two things that now appeal to me more is hanging out with my missus uh huh uh, to switch gears, I'm hearing Ray and Dave Davies are not working on some new songs together. Do you hope that at the Kinks are are going to to reform? It would be great to go and see them live. Mm-hmm. It would be amazing if they did. So if yeah, for me, what if if you could hold a record with the Kinks on the on the front cover, a new one, that'd be amazing. Um, I'd love to go and see them. I'd love. To, I mean, Ray, Dave Davies is one of my unsung heroes. I yeah. love him. Right. He's amazing. I think that one of the problems dude. is that Dave hates Mick Avery and that Ray loves him and they can't agree on who would play drums. <laughs> it's, it's fucking insane. The music business is insane. Yeah. It's, uh, they, you know, they all do, it, 99% of the songs are, are about love. Uh-huh. Written by people who fucking hate each other. Right. Yeah. It's insane. 
but if if there's anybody on the planet that can relate to the brother issue in a band like that, it would be you, right? I mean, you of course. Yeah. Of course. Like I say, it'd be great to go and see them, but I wouldn't. You know, I'm, I wouldn't. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna sit here and advise them that it would be a great thing to do just to please me. Yeah. Fuck that. You know what I mean? Lord knows, I get it. I get it every day of the week anyway. People saying, "Oh well." You know, I get people looking into my eyes saying, you will reform, you'll definitely reform. And I'll, I'll be saying, what makes you so sure that, well, you just will. I'm just like, well, what the fuck, don't be so fucking rude. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you definitely will, you will. You will, you will. Oh. Well, I, uh, well you try, you're trying to Jedi mind trick me here, or what? You know, I've seen rumors in the press that they might do it without you. Well, I, I, do you know what? I'd fucking pay to see that. <laughs> Why? Uh... I just would. I think it'd be fucking interesting. Yeah. Should we start another rumor that we could start a rumor that I'm going to do it without Liam and I'm going to use a hologram like uh, <laughs> like like they did with Tupac at, at Coachella? Right. Start that one. So if they try and do it, are, are you going to stop them or you going to sue or anything? No, or I wouldn't. Watch it no, I, wouldn't. I wouldn't stop them at all. No, not in the slightest. So that wouldn't bother you that there's a big Oasis show, but without you, it's, it seems insane. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, it would be fucking hilarious. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm cool with it. Listen, I'm cool. On the day that I left, they could have had the name if, they'd, if, if they'd have en masse called me up and said, yeah. I would have signed the name off to them. But mm-hmm. they didn't, so there you go. Yeah, and you're doing awfully well at, on your own. If you're able to go out and play arenas, then why deal with all that hassle when you could just be your own boss? <laughs> well, of course. I mean, if you're, you know, you, if you're, if you're, like, if you're in a marriage for 20 years and then it falls apart and then you kind of leave and you go and find someone else, you know, you're not going to, you know, why would you go back? Right. Why? Yeah. I mean, for the, I mean, actually, to be honest, <clears throat> you do it for the money. Yeah. And I like money uh-huh. and I would do it for the money, right? Mm-hmm. If I needed the money, but I don't, but I don't need the money. So yeah, I, but it's like, not, it's not but like 10 years from now when they come to you and they offer you $50 million. <laughs> oh, I'm in. <laughs> Oh, I'm fucking in. Uh, okay. Don't you worry about that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and there it is. He's the greatest. He's uh, he's definitely top five for me. Top five or ten. Yeah, rock he's up interviews. there with like Pete Townsend and Keith Richards and Sammy Hagar. <laughs> Sammy Hagar, <laughs> who's great, who's freaking great. He'll say anything. He'll bash Eddie Van Halen over and over and over again in really funny ways. He's great. All right, maybe that's the bonus podcast this week. So the, <laughs> our most recent Sammy Hagar interview. Well, yeah. Andy Green, thanks for sharing this with us. Of course. And that's it for Rolling Stone Music Now. If you like what you heard, please leave a review on the iTunes Store or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.